Today, we have an exciting episode, right? So we've got Ryan Doucette and Max Edson, who are both active duty Air Force. They met at the academy. They played hockey together. And uh, well, I, I had the chance to jump on a phone call with one of them about two, three weeks ago and talk a little bit about what they're doing. And basically, they've built a platform uh, software to help real estate investors with a lot of the data and analytics and, and help you with your investing uh, I guess style, whatever, whatever the fancy word that I would use there. Cause I, I don't speak big words in the Marine Corps, <laughs> but they've built a platform that is used to help people improve their investment strategies. And I thought it was really interesting, especially from the fact that they are both active duty, which obviously I have a soft spot for. So I wanted to get them on the show so that we can talk about uh, their platform for one, but also the ins and outs of building out something while you're active duty. Cause I think that's really cool. And a lot of people are doing side hustles. <laughs> Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic One, Oscar Mike. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you uh, give a little bit about y'all's uh, backstory for the audience? Definitely. Uh, yeah, so Max and I uh, met at the Air Force Academy. We, we played hockey there together. Um, and we actually were a year apart. And then Max, you know, had an injury, came back a year, and we ended up graduating together. And, um, when we were in school there together, uh, we, we were like really into like projects and, and sort of like innovation. We actually did a competition for fidelity our senior year. Uh, and so we were like really interested in the sort of creative collaboration and, and producing something. Uh, and, and so that kind of took off after we graduated, we kind of continued to do that. We built this product for like a year and a half called nucleus, which was like a crypto app, uh, that got all of maybe one user for like a day. Uh, and we were like, well, that sucked. And then we moved on to the next thing. Uh, and yeah, and so um, Max and I were living in LA at the same time last year. And we kind of we kind of synced up on this this land investing thing. And uh, and it seemed like a really cool idea. You know, Max had been doing it for a couple of years. And, you, you know, like I had the software background. So I was like, oh, this seems like something we could really automate. And we were going to do it for ourselves. We, we wanted to automate it for for our own purposes, our internal sort of land investing strategies. And, and to get validation for that, we started emailing these people just kind of blindly be like, what do you think of this? Like we could price this area, we could do this. And they were like, that's awesome. Like, I'd love that. And, and the more people that kind of said, they were like, Hmm, maybe there's more than just us that could use this. Uh, and so, you know, that was a year ago. So we launched our product in, in July and we've been kind of scrambling ever since to try and keep up with the demand of people that are just like, Oh, this is fantastic. Like, I, can we add this? Can we add that? You know, I love this idea. Um, and, or, you know, people saying how much it's helped them. So it's been a really cool, uh, really cool journey. Yeah. And, and yeah. And just something to add on that. When, when you think of real estate, you don't really think too much about land investing itself. So we found ourselves in a pretty interesting niche. And I actually was originally introduced to it by another Air Force guy. Um, and, and so what I found was interesting was that you don't have to deal with the tenants, termites, toilets kind of scenario. You can invest all over the country without being there. So instead of real estate properties where you're investing in the same market, usually where you're actually located in, in land, you could actually flip wherever you want. So um, 
what our platform actually does is it deals with direct mail marketing campaigns and allows you to get those records, those owner records, and then put offers to them. So we're sending out blind letters actually to wherever we want to mail with the criteria that we've set. And so when I first started this business, uh, it was a very manual process, but it didn't have to be. Um, and so it, it often gets overlooked again with the, just the property market and there's a lot of data out there, but with land, it's a lot less complete. And so what we did, we put our heads together. We came up with our own software, like Ryan mentioned. And ever since then, we've, we've kind of been turning into our own processes. It's, it's definitely alleviated a lot of stress and um, a lot of work on our end. And just because we are still in the Air Force active duty, our, our whole goal is to automate as much as possible because we don't have as much time as a lot of people. So it was really helpful. And, and we're still continuing to automate the process. And we're getting feedback from users and just moving forward from there. So the marketing side, how is this different than what the wholesalers do for properties, regular properties? Are you familiar with what they do? Yeah, so it's very similar. It's the same process where you send out letters if you're doing direct mail market campaigns. Um, and you can do wholesales in this. So all of our contracts that we send out do have um, clauses in there where they're assignable. So we can actually give them off to other people to invest in or buy um, so you can make some profit on the assign, like the assignability from that standpoint. But a lot of the people, they just flip them around. So if let's say, uh, usually on average, you want to send an offer out anywhere between for land specifically, it could be anywhere as low as 15%, as high as 35, 40%. And from that standpoint, when you buy it, you can do a quick flip from there for, I don't know, 80 to hundred percent of market value. So <clears throat> You have a really interesting client base, though, I imagine, because the people like us who buy, like, dude, I buy dead ass reliable rentals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I'm the risk averse guy who I don't buy anything unless I know it's going to make money before I even, you know, go anywhere near close to paying for it. But land is very speculative, or at least theoretically. Now, if you're buying it on 15 cents on the dollar or 40, it's not as speculative, but there is no cash income. So do you find, um, how do you find these, these people can't be, how do I say it? The overlap must be different. So how are you finding the buyers for land versus, you know, in our little world where everybody wants cash flow? Yeah. And, and that's a great question because cash flow is king from a lot of people's perspective. And so what we do is we, we've actually plugged ourselves into a lot of these educational programs out there where people are learning how to flip land through them. And from that, we've created partnerships. So then they just funnel over to us from that standpoint. So uh, it, it's a really cool partnership because again, we're not stepping on their toes. We're just an added feature to them. And so we automate the process that they're already teaching. And because of that, um, and, and the offer price is everything usually in our, in our system, how you're mentioning, you need to be as risk adverse as possible. And if you buy a property that's over what it's actually should be marketed as, then you're going to, you could be stuck with a property you don't want, or it could sit on the market for too long. So um, what we've actually done, which is one of the unique features that we offer is that we've um, basically aggregated over 2.5 million comps across the United States from sites like Zillow, uh, Lands of America, Realtor.com, Landflip, and Landwatch. And so we have this large database of comps where if you just went on and searched an address for a property, you can find one of those estimates or average estimates online from for the market value. But for land, they don't have them. And so we created that valuation model um, for all of our users. And so they can just have a quick slider bar left or right to, to turn on the percentage of market value you want to offer at. 
And then they send out thousands of letters and, and get them back. And there's always due diligence in there. But because of that, you can really narrow down and, and get a realtor out there to make sure that they can sell it at a certain price before you even buy it. And so you have all the risk strategies in there before you even purchase the property. Are you, I don't know if I caught this right, but these letters, if you're doing slider bar, are the letters you're sending out having a price on it already? Yeah, so so we send out blind offers. Um, and for those that don't know blind offers, that, that means like a literal offer price on the letter that we send out. So you have the neutral letters where it's just asking, hey, I'd like to buy your land. And then you basically do the negotiations after the fact. But we send out letters with those offers actually on there. And we always have a clause too. So we're not locked in. We can kind of step away for any reason. But we have that direct offer price on there. So then all they have to do is sign the contract that we send. And then we can move that over to escrow. Um, yeah, I so actually really like that. I actually really like that because I think yeah. part of the reason that the wholesalers, um, you know, they have no balls, right? So like, I want the property, but I want it for as low as possible, but I want to get you hooked before I negotiate. I want to see the property. I want to negotiate all this stuff. And it's like, dude, if you send people prices, you get more, but you got to sack up, which, you know, sorry, wholesalers. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, so I love that you do that, even though, yeah, you, you build yourself into due diligence, right? A, a clause. I understand that yeah. which you should do. I feel, I feel like um, the due diligence. Yeah. And more interested hits. Right. But I feel like the due diligence is also less risky on that. Cause you, you know, you send up, if you were to blind offer out for 70% or, or 60% or 50% on a house, uh, you don't know if the house has been burned down. Right. You have no idea. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's a lot, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there's less variables to go wrong on the land side. Totally. And, and so like, like how you kind of mentioned houses, there's so many different things. You got the actual structure. Yeah. There's, there's too many to even count, but on land, it's really about what's it looking like? What kind of uh, property is it on the side of a mountain? Is it even usable as their road access? So there's a lot less variables involved. And because of that, we're, we feel so much more comfortable sending out those letters at like, again, 20, 25% of the value. And what's really cool is that you go through less due diligence and negotiations with the actual sellers themselves because they already have that value in their heads now. So whatever mail you get back, they're either signing the contract and sending it right back to you. So you already have that. Um, and honestly, even if they sign the contract, because we have those clauses in there, we can still do our due diligence and negotiate further if needed. Um, but then even if there are negotiations there, that number's already in their head. So we can get it usually around there. Yeah. So you guys really don't have to deal with a land environmental what's, you know, what's under the ground water. I think you said, uh, road access and water access and like, you know, drainage and, but yeah. you're not really, you guys aren't really spending too much time. It doesn't sound like learning the different types of land all over the country, especially when you're trying to buy it at 25%. Um, are you getting a lot of motivated sellers or is it, uh, I'm curious what's the, what the selling demo demographic is. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting actually to see. So a lot of people, some people don't even know that they own land, which is the most interesting to me. Uh, it's either someone in their family died or it just got passed down and no one even told them. And, and so it's in their name and they just have no idea. And so they just want the money because they have no use for it. So they'll go ahead and sell it. Um, some people are going through divorces, some people just have no need for it. And, and so or they just need money for whatever reason, whatever's going on in their life situation. But uh, it, it really it kind of revolves around those factors and just that they don't need it anymore, or they're retiring. Um, and, and so we take that off their hands. 
we get yeah, a lot of no, we dude. get a lot of hate mail or uh, hate <laughs> calls too at the same time, right? You you send a lot of lowball offers to people that weren't planning on selling, and it's actually funny. The first time we did this, uh, we there, a lot of people use call services, but we were trying to save money, so we're like, oh, we'll just take the calls ourselves. And it was like a two week period where our phones were nonstop ringing with people like who do you think you are like offering me like this amount? Like I'm not selling, like get me off your list. And I'm, I told Max, like, we're never doing that again. We need a call service. That was horrible. It, it could be pretty demoralizing. <laughs> you guys are scoundrels. That's what that's come to the territory. Yeah. I mean, you mail out like a thousand people and you really only need to get a few yeses to really get a property under, under contract. So you're going to go through a few hundred, you know, who do you think you are before you get that one? Yes. Yeah. Hey, it's just part of the game though. It's all a it game. But I'm just, glad you mentioned the call center thing. So I'm doing that right now for my inbound and it's a lifesaver. Cause I, definitely. even after three years of being a recruiter, like there's only so many, Hey buddy, fuck yous where you're like, <laughs> bro, like you didn't even have to call me. Like you went out of your way to call me just to tell me that. Like, thanks dude. Um, you know, and it's like, I don't understand. All right. It gets oh. old. No matter how many times you do it, it's like, all right, you know what? This is one thing I can cut out of my life. And all I get now is the like, Hey, so-and-so scheduled an appointment. Here's all the information they want to talk to you. Like, Oh, great. I'll pick up the phone and call them. There you go. So much better. So much yeah. better. <laughs> so, uh, I was going to ask, well, I guess I had the first thing I was going to ask was zoning. I'm curious about, uh, you know, I mean, zoning codes differ all across the nation for, you know, the same freaking things. Like, is there a way to generalize that where you're like, Hey, I want only things zoned commercial, even though the commercial zoning is going to be 17 different codes, depending on where you're marketing. Um, I guess that'd be my first question. Yeah. And Ryan, you want to take it? Well, so that's kind of two answers to that. So we do have on our site, we have um, zoning codes where you can filter land for, sorry, let me back up. Those are flood zone codes. So we do have like land use codes, which are basically your zoning codes. It's, it's how the property is uh, like categorized. That's going to be different for every county. And so it, we kind of leave the onus on the, the person that's mailing to know what the predominant land type is. And it, it's tough because, you know, some counties will, will, will say, you know, this is agricultural land. And some will say, well, no, it's actually, um, you know, SFR land, or this is farmland and, or, you know, the forest. So it, it's, it's kind of hit or miss with that. We have, we have all of the different checkboxes you can kind of play around with like in different counties, like where, where the properties are located. Um, and then I was also going to give a, a quick plug to one of our partners, Zoning Advantage. Um, Mike Marshall over there has a, has a website that he's starting up where they're looking for, you know, zoning codes that are mismatched uh, just because you mentioned zoning. Uh, and, you know, what, he, what, what his website does, and it's fairly new, so I don't know how many locations he actually has in place, but he's looking for mismatched zoning opportunities is essentially the goal there. But I just figured I'd give him a shout out. I like that. So the, the other question you I have- our, You're using oh. our platform to plug <laughs> somebody else? That's messed up. Oh yeah, and, and, and he's, he's been really, he's a really cool, uh, really cool guy and he has some really insightful ideas. It's cool. Alex is going to plug something for himself before the end of this episode. <laughs> so <laughs> he's using my platform to plug himself. So he's just mad someone beat him to it this episode. <laughs> no, uh, hey, so the next question I was going to ask is price point, right? So if you're sending out like a full-on offer, right? I would imagine there's a little bit more to that than just like a postcard that's like, hi, I buy houses, cash, call me. Um, so I'm curious, like what a, what a letter costs through your system and kind of what that, uh, I guess what that looks like. 
Yeah. And <clears throat> so, so kind of the process is you have to download owner records first. And then once you have an owner record spreadsheet, essentially, you want to send that to your mail house to send out the letters. So what okay. we do is basically our finished product is this downloadable spreadsheet with all the owner records attached to it and the offer prices. And then cool. from there, you'd want to send it to your mail house, wherever you have it. So what oh, we yeah. do is, is offer eight cents per record download. And so every time you download, it'll be eight cents a record. Uh, and then from there, usually you can get, we, we send out actual letters. So some people do postcards, some people, there's a whole bunch of different things you could actually send out, but we send out two, two, two pages of letters actually um, per envelope. And so one's going to be kind of our cover page and then one's the actual purchase agreement. And that's about 50 cents for us um, per letter as well. So it, it is more expensive, but the yield that you can get off of it is really well and really good. I, I mean, the list itself isn't, I mean, thousand names for, 80 bucks, assuming that my math that you saw me rolling my eyes about up there, <laughs> my math and my public uh, is right. That's not, it's not bad. I mean, no, our, ours is actually really cheap. And the reason yeah. why is because we've partnered with data tree by first American. And so what we've done is leverage them. And again, our the scalability of our platform. So we're getting really cheap rates for everyone. So we're the ones locked into our, the contracts with them and all of our users don't have to get locked in at all. So they can cancel with us and, and use their data um, as they go. And so a lot of the times when you go with these platforms, you have to put down a lot of money to get cheap record costs, or you have to, um, just sign up and, and lock yourself in for a year or two contract. And so we kind of alleviate that burden, uh, from the user's perspective and put it on ourselves so they can pass through the, the cheap record costs. And so with that as well, we get all the searching, we give them the offer price attached to that. We actually clean up their data file too. So I don't know, uh, if you or anyone else has actually downloaded from one of these record companies, it, it can be a mess sometimes and, and not really prepped and ready to send to your mailhouse. And so we actually clean up the file for you. And, and so it's ready to go and you could just send it and merge it with your letter template. I like it. Bro, you are selling so hard right now. <laughs> I, we love our platform. Um, so it's, it, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Okay, tell me. Okay, tell, I know you're excited. I can tell. So, tell me about the business, though. Let's talk about um. Let's talk about scalability. You're one year in. Okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, an uh, economic phenomenon called Lindy? Actually, no. No. Lindy says the the shorter that you've been around, the more likely it is you're going to go away soon. And the longer you've been around, the longer you're going to. It's likely that you're going to stay around for a long time. Hmm. So Makes one sense. year, one year is not that much. So you're scaling up. What's the, uh, what's the current, talk to me about trajectory, current hurdles and how, how you guys going to, um, what's in store for the next year to grow this thing? Yeah, the, those are all great questions. And, and ones, honestly, we, we have these went or weekly tag ups and we ask ourselves the same ones every time. Um, and, and so one of our main hurdles right now is actually customer support, getting ourselves out of the day-to-day -day business so we can focus on improving it and then actually working on other pillars of revenue that we can create on our platform. And, and so right now, um, we, we started about a year ago, but we actually launched back in July. So it's even less time than um, a year, but we've been growing pretty rapidly and we have key, our KPI trackers that we, we keep track on a monthly and weekly basis that are, are moving us forward and keeping us in the right direction. And one of the, again, like I mentioned, the support is a big one and we're just continuing to try to automate each process that we can go through. And then also with that, having um, different upsales and then also having different platforms. So we have our, 
our price platform that does the actual pricing and then downloading of records. But then we have our own business for land flipping itself and just continuing to create those other pillars. So if one pillar falls, we don't fall as a whole company. And so that, that's been a big thing that we've been trying to strive for and work on lately. So um, obviously we want every pillar to succeed in its own, but we want to make sure that we're stable enough where if one falls, then we still have enough around it to keep us afloat. Hey guys, before we dig into today's episode, I want to talk to you briefly about the website Carrot or InvestorCarrot.com, which is a website that generates other websites for you. So you can sign up for this, you generate a website, and they create high SEO quality websites for you. Now, yeah, they charge a little bit of fee per month, but what they also do is they produce content like blog posts for you and other stuff. They help you with web design, they help you with ranking on SEO, they help put out articles with you and they help get you to rank in Google. So if you're looking to generate leads where somebody can find you when they type in sell my house fast, Carrot does an incredible job. And I know a lot of wholesalers who do very, very good work and they all love this website. So I'm not going to do it justice. If I try to talk to you about it in, in super detail, I'm fairly new to it. I love it, love it, but I'm fairly new to it. But if you click the link that'll be in the description, you'll get a link to a free, they've got like a free webinar, free demo, whatever. You can check it out if you like it, cool. If not, whatever. But this is the sponsor for today's episode is Carrot, which I am a big fan of. And have a great day. We're commencing now. Yeah, and I'll just add that, like one of, so like one of those pillars, so like, uh, you know, the, the initially it was just get as many users as we could in the door, uh, downloading records using the service. Um, and that's been a pretty decent model so far. Um, but you know, at some point the users are going to dry up. It's a pretty niche market. And so it's not like there's a million users out there that we're going to acquire. Um, and so like, we've also been looking, you know, Max mentioned, we're doing the land flipping thing. Uh, we've also looked into like partnerships. I think that's a really big one because there's a lot of folks that do this at a really large scale, but they have a very unique way of doing it. And so what we can provide to them is really cool data insights because we have access to all these comps and access to uh, you know, all of this data where we could say, Hey, let's, let's work together. You're looking for these specific things. We can provide those to you specifically, um, you know, for your process. And then in return, we get something out of that. Um, but you know, there, cause most folks will download 1000 to 2000 records a month, but you know, these people are in the 50,000 range a month. And so it's, it's a pretty big operation and they just need a lot of support, uh, to do that. Is it just YouTube? It's not just YouTube because I went on the website. There's a couple of you guys. It's sort of, so it's just Max and I. Uh, we hired quote unquote interns. One of them is my brother. Uh, and so, yeah. so they yeah, I, I saw another do set on there. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got some free labor going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, uh, my brother and his friend, they're both uh, Army. And uh, yeah, they, those guys. <laughs> yeah, so we were. We, we tried to start getting them involved um, just to help kind of with that burden of doing all of this work. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it, you know, Max and I have been doing all of this. Yo, your poor brother, man. You're like, I joined the army. I'm habitually underpaid. And then now I got the second job that also doesn't pay. Nice. Oh, nice. It, we, <laughs> Max, Max and I are laughing because, you know, we're here working and he's like, sorry guys, I can't do anything this week. I got to go into the field for, for a week and sleep in a tent and do all this. And we're like, what? Like we, we never do that in the air force. And we're just like, so blown away. We're like, what are you doing? Yeah. We, we all kind of have normal, like nine to five jobs. And yeah, he, he's out struggling in the woods when it's raining out and lightning on them. I don't know. It's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, well, hurry up, buddy. We got to get you back to work for free. Yeah, I, I need that marketing plan by seven, buddy. Let's go. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> 
he's in his, in his tent. <laughs> he is on he is on his phone. He's like sitting on tanks, like trying to respond to us on his text message. Yo, my man is committed though. Yeah, he loves it. I love the intern idea, straight up. Like I'm I'm as I'm moving to get out for one, I'm gonna intern on my way out of the military uh, after off active duty into the reserves. But uh, I'm absolutely looking for the idea of if I could have you know a service member or two that fit kind of what I'm looking for to intern with me and just make sure they're a good fit. Like obviously I'd be down for paying, but like with the Skillbridge program, that's a pretty sweet option. If you got someone who wanted to intern with you and they do it on their last six months while they're still active duty. So like you're not paying them, but they're still getting full military pay. You know, there's a pretty sweet little niche there that uh, I think offers some great opportunities. That's what um, my nemesis does. She does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, well, I'm trying to do that myself as an intern. Um, yeah, but why? Uh, why do all that when you can just have his brother do it? You know, <laughs> he's yeah, still got a full time job, and he. <laughs> yeah, no, but they, interns are really cool. Cool option, you know, because there's there's so much. You know, the six months is needed, right? Because there's so much you have to learn just about the business as a whole, and then it to learn how our system specifically works in that business to be able to actually like provide a value to the customers. Like, like Max mentioned, like a lot of it is customer support. People have a lot of questions. And if you don't know the business or our platform, it's really hard to answer those questions. So there is a pretty substantial ramp up time um, to get them up to speed on what's going on and, and how to be, uh, you know, valuable to the customers. So yeah, so, and, and additionally, <clears throat> and, and additionally for those that want to get a little more acclimated to business as opposed to Air Force, because they're or just military in general, because there are totally two different sides of the spectrum there. Um, is it in, in business? I mean, if you don't make profit enough, you're you're going to fail, right? So we're not, that's not our mission in the military. And so there's different parts of it, and just seeing how you have to operate differently, it's really interesting. So like, obviously, we get value out of it as a company, but then also they get value out of understanding a little bit more on the business side of everything. Yeah. Yeah, the military is not a business. In fact, it literally <laughs> is the definition between capitalism and socialism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There we go. So I was um, gonna ask. Uh, I'm gonna let Alex ask. Yeah, I'm gonna ask. So uh, on the flip side, on you guys' side, uh, the buyers for the land. Um, so I worked in banking for a while, and I know that financing for land. Uh, I don't know what it's like right now, but I could guess uh, it can be tumultuous to say the least. Are you guys? Do you have to deal with that? Buyers who want to buy your properties but can't pay cash and try to finance it. Is that a, something you guys have to deal with? Yeah. And, and so there's, there's two sides of that. So one, when we're actually identifying land to look at, we want to look at the price point of it. So how you're mentioning it's, it's really hard to get a loan on land, especially because there's not going to be any production of cash flow for the most part. Um, so that we usually make sure that what we're buying, if we're buying it for five, $10,000 and it's selling for 30, $40,000, that's enough where people can buy just straight up in cash. Um, and so most of our, our buyers are going to be cash buyers. And let's say if they, they don't have that money, what we actually do is seller financing. So, um, and, and our owner fan financing, and we have these really cool sites that are coming out now where they actually take care of that whole process for us. So um, uh, one in particular that we use is Fabrica and essentially they've created a digital domain online where people can go and buy it and it automatically creates the interest rate for them. And so it's just a certain amount down and then they'll just pay us um, X percent every month until they own the property outright. And at that time, then the actual deed will transfer automatically. Who pays for the building? 
who pays the building? Uh, excuse me, who pays for the land? Who pays for the land? So the, the buyer will, will continue to pay for it. But you're buying cash? So we'll, we'll buy in cash up front. And then when the seller, or I mean, when we go to sell it, they're going to be the ones to actually either pay cash again for um, to buy it or they'll do the, the financing option. But the, but the financing, it's just a, they set up the payment infrastructure, but you still hold the, you still have the, the cost. Yeah. Um, well, because we bought it in cash, I mean, there is no cost to us. Um, no, no. I mean, like your the money is, the money is, your money is still being yeah. held. Yeah, correct. Until, yeah. Okay. It sounded um, like you guys were. And, and so usually, know. usually how the seller financing works is that we will get it for a low enough where they will give us a down payment to cover our, our money back. So that, that's where we get our money back and then plus that additional cash flow. And, and that, that's one way how you can actually get cash flow out of land is then for that reason, it's the return's actually pretty great if you set it up right, where let's say the market value of a property is $10,000, we got it for $2,000. Uh, so we could do seller financing essentially 2,000 down and then X percent until they own the property outright. And so we get our money back immediately. And then now we have cash flow from that until they they either own it outright or they they don't pay it off and then we keep it and then we can do the same process again, which happens. I used to know a guy, I'm gonna tell a quick story. I used to know a guy who um, would, would wholesale uh, cars, cheap old cars, and he had a little rock lot. Everybody in the army here, right? We know what a rock lot is. And so he, uh, he'd, buy, he'd sell these 100,000 mile, eight year old cars, whatever, and he'd sell them for like three grand, five grand, six grand. And so what he'd do is he'd get this car from the, auction for like 1500 bucks and he put in the lot and it's five grand and he financed it all in-house because he put the money up and he finds it at 18 percent, and he put a gps tracker in it and he'd keep a spare key and he put a a, a turn off like a, a kill switch in it and so um you know he'd sell the car and it's 1500 down and you finance the rest he's like okay i'm paid and then inevitably like eight months 12 months later they'd stop the payments and he'd kill it and then he'd drive up with a spare key and drive it home and put it back on the lot for fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's and your, that that's, happens. That's the model, right? That's the. <laughs> it, it, it's not like we want that to happen, but it does happen. Where I'm just teasing. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true. It's just like infinity cash flow essentially when that happens. What happens when they drive it across the country? And he's got a he's got like a fly to go get it now. <laughs> why you gotta Why you gotta ask those kinds of questions? It was a good <laughs> story. <laughs> They can't move the land, right? It's stationary. They can't take that car anywhere. Unless they start digging, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, unless you bought on the you bought on the west side, the east side of uh, the Big Island of Hawaii, and just got yeah, you know, sloping. There something. you go. <laughs> That's my last question. One last question. Um, do you guys ever buy anything, um, or have you yet bought something that was maybe a speculative, like oh, they're gonna build? It's in a, a, a in a a piece of. Uh, area that's like gentrifying or something that you got where you're like, man, if I hold on to this for 10 years, um, they might build a road by it or build something um, tricky here. Is that something you guys have done? We haven't yet. Um, usually what we're doing is it, we, we don't hold it for that long uh, for the most part. And that's why we, we do buy in places where it is like that, where we know that it's a growing market. So one of our factors when we're looking at new places to mail is what's that expansion looking like. So again, like job growth, growth rate, just all, all those economic factors. And then just how, what the days on markets looking around that area too. So we'll, we'll buy it again. We'll go through our process where we're, we're buying it for a quarter of the, the, what it's actually worth. And then we'll just go around and flip it again for the most part. 
we, we've thought about doing that, but it's just, it just ties up too much money for the most part. That's, that's the biggest thing. And the, and the hold period is too, because if it was obvious, the price that nobody would sell it to you for 25 cents on a dollar. The trick is like, man, if you could get a bunch of these $5,000 things in some, you know, oh, in 20 years, they're going to build a skyscraper where I want to, where I own this property. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious. Oh, the perfect world. Uh, it's great. I, I just, I don't know if I have the patience to wait for that. I'd rather rent, like I get a rental property or something. Um, for sure. But yeah. I, I, I've heard of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a real good strategy, but I was just, I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I had one last question before we roll into our normal, uh, three and that is, so obviously this is a very niche market space that you guys have found and very unique. I like it. I guess two part one would be if there's competitors in your space yet. And then the part of that would be if you're afraid or worried about like a big data company trying to nose their way in. And the other would be, have you guys figured out like, end goal, right? So are you wanting to maintain platform or are you looking to build it? And have you thought about, I mean, there's probably a potential there to sell if you patent it, to sell it to the software side of it to somebody like one of those big data sets. So I'm just curious if that's something you guys have given thought to, or if you're still in, uh, I don't want to say hamster mode, startup mode, uh, like, like, you know, like, Oh, we're just, we're doing everything. Um, so I don't, I hope that doesn't sound like a, uh, you know, like a loaded question. I'm just genuinely curious what kind of competition you guys see and what kind of opportunities there might be out there for that. Yeah. So we are kind of in that hamster mode still a little bit um, where we just kind of do as many things as we can. And if someone's like, Oh, you know, it'd be a good idea. We're like, all right, let's do it. Like, we just want to like just branch out as quickly as possible into as many things. Um, we're starting to realize that there's there's a lot of competition in this space, but mostly in the housing. So we, we actually launched a housing feature uh, like a month ago, uh, thinking, oh, like, you know, we started with land, we'll move into housing. And uh, we realized there's a lot of people that do housing because there's so much data available on it. And it's fairly easy to get into that space. Um, not as much so with land. So we've kind of realized that land is where our opportunity is. Uh, you know, we, we've gone to sites like Zillow and Realtor and they, their land data, they have it, but like Zillow, they don't have a lot of estimates for land. Like they just don't really do a whole lot with it. Um, and so I feel like in that regard, we have a lot of uh, an advantage, you know, over some of these other people that, but whether it's because they don't really care enough or they just don't see it as valuable, I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but there's definitely an opportunity there. Um, what was the other question? Sorry, end goal. Um, <laughs> we've thought about it, you know, it, it, it's right now, I think it's too early to tell what we want to do with that. Like if, if a big data company came in and said, we want to buy your company for a million dollars, like there'd be some serious consideration for that. Right. They'd be like, Oh, that was, you know, six months of, of that. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but you know, like there's, there's some cool opportunities that are, that we're, we're starting to discover as we, as we do it more and more. And we're starting to get this kind of cool feedback loop finally where like the first use the first wave of users that came in July and tested out the product and tried it they're starting to get back to us finally like hey you know I just closed deals from that original mailer back in July so we're starting to kind of hear what we could improve on um, in our overall process like how we can improve our pricing and, and it's funny we actually we we changed so fast that all their feedback they're like yeah I did this in July and I could we change these things we're like oh we changed those months ago like you got to keep up man it's it's, it's <laughs> we go faster than that um so yeah so, so we're still trying to discover that that opportunity i don't know if max has other thoughts on that 
I, I think the only thing else we've discussed is that this this is a, a business where it's kind of funny. We've put a lot of effort into this actual website, but a lot of the money is coming from the actual land flipping itself where we don't have too much time to do right now. So just kind of getting our, our priorities straight, almost kind of looking at that Pareto principle rule or 80-20 where we're trying to figure out where, where it's best to allocate our time. And so going to the, to the end goal, I think something where it's an acquisition deal is, is something that we're looking into. And then uh, we have to get it to obviously a mature state where we're, we're not quite there yet, I don't think, but we're we're moving in the right direction. And then obviously transferring over all of our flips and land, all of our cash in this website and moving into more of a, a cash flowing business, like you were mentioning earlier, Alex, with kind of like rental properties where you get that cash flow and in steady cash flow every month over month. So that's that's kind of like our, our, our end goal is basically taking what we have here and then just making it and, and, and um, taking advantage of this cash flow and then just multiplying it through some other means. I like it. I love the innovation. Yeah. And I like that you guys recognize that land is definitely, uh, it's definitely the less popular. And I think that provides a lot of opportunity. I mean, the numbers you guys are spitting out sounds awesome and the risk and or I don't say the risk the um it's just so much less work I mean houses come with all sorts of nonsense um and a lot of unknowns and like generally they come with people which is a miserable experience to, you know they all have they got emotions and needs and ugh, land <laughs> yeah it's really easy you know I know a lot more really <laughs> useful landscapers than I do contractors so I mean, there might be something to that. <laughs> There's a lesson in there somewhere, I think. <laughs> hey, I know some 14-year-olds that can do some some mean landscaping. So <laughs> that is illegal, just so you know. <laughs> Alex clearly Alex is clearly not from the South where kids just build their own lawn mowing businesses <laughs> and lemonade stands. It's like a tra- tra- you know. Anyway. Um, all right. So I got a few questions I always ask. The first one is. Obviously, you guys are, are new to the, uh, not new to, but you're entrepreneurs uh, in spirit through and through. So the question would be, if a young E1, E2, 18, 19-year-old was to walk up to you asking you for advice on uh, whether that's investing or, or building a business, like what would be the one thing you think you'd have to tell them? Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's one of the things is it's really just understanding how much work it really takes to build a business. So a lot of people see that just the, the very like shell of what's going on. And so they think it's all glamour and joy, but underneath the service, there's a lot of work that gets put into play and a lot of late nights and making sure that there's a lot of processes that go in and, and a lot of like hardships throughout. It doesn't go come easy and there's a lot of pivoting that's involved. So uh, finding something that they really enjoy, I think is important. And because if you don't like it, even though you may create a little bit of money, it, you, that, that part goes away really quickly. And so you got to have the like the fun and joy behind the scenes that that will make you push through it. And so that's one of the big things. And just setting aside money every month, if you have an idea in mind, and and really investing in yourself first. So that's that's probably what I've I've learned the most is it doesn't come easy. It's not a it, it's not something you can buy just a, a car usually the first <laughs> first month into it and say that I'm rich now. It, it doesn't come like that. Um, but it, it's a long gradual process with a lot of obstacles and and roadblocks in the way yeah and i think with that like you know me at 18 or 19 if i had an idea i would i tell that person like just try it and be okay to fail right like you know I, I mentioned a few projects max and i worked on prior to coming into this and you know we spent like a year and a half building this software application that had one user and we made zero dollars and it was like 
wow, we really stink. But uh, it, we, we, we realized after about six months of doing this, how many lessons we like pulled out of that. And even like literal code I pulled out of that to this project where I was like, cool, like I already figured out how to do that thing. Um, and so there was so much value in that, even though we didn't make any money or the business wasn't successful. Um, so just being like comfortable like, Hey, I'm going to try this thing. And if it works great. And if it fails even better, right? Like I'll just, uh, I'll learn something and then I'll do better with the next business. I like it. Dude, I like that. And that's such an under, underappreciated lesson, I think in, in this, in our little, in our social circles, uh, you know, I mean, I've done four, this is my fourth podcast, right? The th first three all died. Um, <laughs> I had a bunch of businesses. I tried a bunch of businesses before I found real estate and, so, and something I could do that stuck. Um, and I'm sure I'll end up eventually failing at this and doing something else that I'm somewhat good at. Um, but yeah, I love that. And you know, people go, well, that failed. And it's like, dude, do you know how much I took away though? That like I Definitely. carry with me now. So you yep. say I failed. It's like, I left the failure behind me and I took what worked with me. Um, yes. So especially especially if you're changing industries, right? Because you like you go from one thing to another thing, like you go from real estate, and then you go into like cars or something, and you're like, man, I really love real estate. Now that I've done this other industry, I'm like, I really love the other one. So now I know, cool, I kind of know where the industry is. Now I just gotta find the business in that in that space. Yeah. yeah. And it builds upon each other too. So I mean, you learn one thing from one thing, it fails, then you take what you learned there, move it to another one, it fails, and now you start building these blocks up. I mean <laughs> What Ryan was mentioning how we, we pitched Fidelity and won uh, a contest. And then we took our idea, went to actually Northwestern and we basically got laughed or laughed out of the meeting. We went there with no business plan, just, just essentially this idea. And they're just, what, what do you want us to do with it? And we didn't really know. And so that was kind of our, our first taste of, okay, we should probably come up with a business plan next time. And then we, we built on that, built this nucleus app. Uh, basically created the product without even asking anyone if it's something that they liked. <laughs> and, and so we were like, okay, we should probably get some feedback this time. And then uh, again, we started this thing. And so we, we took a long time before even building anything just on paper and idea form and, and just reached out to a lot of people and, and got all their feedback and then built the product with them already interested in it. I I love that you say this actually, because uh, I tell people all the time and I've been doing it. Uh, I got a little Sunday meet that I've been telling people, like, if you have an idea and you can't write it on paper and then have somebody else understand it and buy into the idea, then you have no idea. Because if you can only sell somebody face to face, you might be a charlatan. You might be a con man, right? Like you only believe me when I'm <laughs> smiling and, and like getting you amped up. Like if you can't read it on paper and think it's a good idea, then it might not, you might not know what your idea is. You might just be around easy to please people or easy to, to sell people. So um, I love that you said that. Put it on paper, write it out thoroughly, like a business plan. It's like one of those things like you don't need one, but you kind of need one. Yeah. Yeah. Get you a friend like Alex who will tell you it sucks. Because uh, we all know that there are people who will just, you know, don't don't go show your business plan to your mom because um, you ain't going to get any good feedback. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh was, babe, it's great. <laughs> what's, what's cool about that feedback, too, is like we started with like an initial like, here's what we we're going to do. And then we got feedback. We're like, oh, wow, there's like this opportunity here. We're going to do this thing. And and then like we start to create that and continue to get that feedback. And it just keeps kind of moving and shifting based on what people are saying, what they want. And then. It ends up not being the product you probably thought it was going to be, but it's the product that people are saying that they want. And that's what's going to be a successful product, right? Not the thing that you think is going to be good. It's what your users think is good. Absolutely. All right. So next question is, what is one resource, book, course, website, whatever, 
that you think anyone getting into real estate or business should read? Oh, that, that's, that's a good one. Um, I, I think if you ask any real estate investor, it's going to be Robert Kiyosaki's book. Um, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Uh, the cash flow quadrants or the other one. Yeah. Rich that, dad, poor dad. Yeah. Rich dad, poor dad. I, you can go so many different ways with that, but it really helps you understand what kind of business model that you want to kind of design. So that, that was something that I really like to, to understand and enjoy because it, it kind of focused our mindsets on, on what we we're going to build. And then kind of like talking about our end goal before is where do we want to move into? Are we going to be in that employer quadrant or, or kind of like business or investor? Um, and then another platform for real estate, bigger pockets is awesome. Like I've, I've, I've asked so many questions on there um, where, where they're What's able to answer. What was that? What's it called? What's it called? Bigger Pockets. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Guy might not have been published in the newest um, article of their magazine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I read the first three. Now I don't, I'm probably going to unsubscribe. If you're looking for some kind of land investing specific real estate forum, though, RE Tipster by Seth Williams is really good. So I love Seth. Yes. He, he's, he's really good in this space and has a lot of knowledge. I didn't know that about him. I've, I don't know that much about Seth, but um, what? I've met him a bunch of times. Man, Seth and dude. Lucas and I got lost in DC at FinCon last year. It was good times. <laughs> I like hanging out with him. But when, you're in fin, when you're at one of these conferences, you're like, you know, I just, are you fun to drink with? I don't no, care. What you're doing. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Seth for sure. Good people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, and then the other one would just be, uh, where can people get a hold of you guys? Yeah. So people can get a hold of us through our website or they can reach out to us via email. So if you send an email to us, support at price.com and that's P R Y C D.com. That's, that's an email that both Ryan and myself will get, but if you want to send us directly to us, that's more than awesome to do. We'll always reach back and respond to you and we can hop on Zoom and talk a little bit more. But my email is max.edson, so max.edson, E-D-S-O-N, at price.com. And then Ryan's is ryan.doucette at price.com. So those are the best emails. You can reach back out to us. Um, and we're always happy to partner up and collaborate or just talk and, and, and just help everyone learn the process and where we're at, what we've, what mistakes, what we've learned throughout the process and just talk it out. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see me in there uh, buying, buying some, some, some names off your list and slamming some mailers <laughs> into my market at some point to uh, test the waters. Cause it's uh, I've, I found it interesting and, you know, with the affordable price for some names, uh, what do I have to lose? So uh, all that being said, I appreciate it guys. This has been fun. This has been a lot of good, uh, good stuff. And I look forward to seeing where your platform grows in the next year, two, three, when, you know, when, when we maybe in like three years, we can come back on and Alex's Lindy principle will, will seem nicer to you. <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh, exactly. we've been around for this long now. Now we're doing. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Hey, now, back now, in my face. I love now, it. Now he takes it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Alex doesn't take anyone seriously, <laughs> himself included. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you having us on the show too. Again, this is a great platform. We we love what you're doing, and so we hope all other military members still invest and, and kind of pursue their dreams and and kind of expand out and, and get those other um, reach outs and real estate's a great platform to create something with. I I agree. 
Yeah, I, I enjoy some some real estate for sure. Awesome. Well, guys, I really appreciate it. And uh, man, I'll let you know when this comes out. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.